Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Invoking Witchcraft. I am Jay Allen Cross. I am here with my co-host, Britton Boyd, also known as Archaic Honey on the good old Instagrams. Who's just found something in her mane of hair. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just plucking out all the leaves and junk. And that's what happens when you are a forest witch. Uh, Britain also had some wisdom fall out of her, her scalp a second ago. Yes, I had a gray hair fall out of my head. Um, it's really cool, though, because it's like silver up top because I like henna my hair. So I oh. haven't hinted my hair in a long time. So like about three inches of it is beautiful silver. And then the rest of it's like this light red. It's really cool. But obviously I'm aging and obviously I'm shedding. So that's kind of what's been going on in my world, just shedding and getting old. That happens. You know, (laughs) I recently purchased a night cream. It sneaks up on you. You know, you think that you're going to be young forever. And then suddenly just 30 just arrives like no other. I know. I am like, I'm getting really close to 37 and I'm like, okay, 36 is fine. But when you hit the 37, it's like, oh, oh, 40s right on the horizon. I'm just like, how did I make it so far? (laughs) You've suddenly reached the twilight of your 30s. Yes. Yeah. 28 was hard for me because I was like, oh, this is this is getting real. And then 29 hit. And I was like, no. (laughs) Yeah. The Saturn return years are um, are fascinating. They are. We we learn a lot about ourselves during that time. And what I didn't know is that you could have your Saturn return in very specific categories. Like it's not just like a general thing that happens. It's like whatever house it happens. And I don't speak astrology really, but um, but I didn't know that that was a thing until someone kind of walked me through it when I <laughs> I sent um, uh, her Instagram right now is at Sacred Spice. And she's one of my most favorite astrologers. Like I, her name is Andrina and she, I have never had anyone as wicked with an astrology chart as she is just like, she barely half glanced at mine sideways and just read me to filth. Um, but I ended up sending her a message once like, am I at my Saturn return? She's like, Ooh, yes, you are indeed. And let me tell you what it's all about. And I was like, Oh no. Yeah, yeah, where it falls in your chart really matters. My Saturn return fell, um, gosh, it was in my 10th house, and it was in the sign of Scorpio. Mm. And, oh, yeah, I won't even get, I won't get into the details here, but let me tell you, a Saturn return in Scorpio will whip your ass. Yeah, that sounds brutal. It was brutal. It was terrible. It was... Yeah, it was a whole thing. And I'm but I'm I'm healing from it. I've learned my lessons. And and that's the thing with Saturn is Saturn is there to teach you a lesson. And if you don't listen to the lesson, Saturn will spank you until you get it. Yeah. Little spankings. Daddy Saturn here to spank you. (laughs) Kind of into it. Yes. Um, has fall officially hit where you are? Because we have finally gotten rain. 
lots of it, like too much. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, fall is here. It is officially the equinox. I believe it happened oh, yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Either so the yesterday equinox or today is, is Mabon, Mabin. I don't know. I don't know either. It's kind of a made up holiday anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it is fallish here. I keep having this like warm glowing feeling in myself when I'm outside driving around and like running errands because like the the light this time of year just turns golden and the, the leaves are turning and there's like this crunch in the air and like there's pumpkin spice lattes. Yes, I'm that basic bitch. Do it. Somebody said the other day something about going to a pumpkin patch near me, and it was highly arousing just to hear those words put together, pumpkin patch. Um, I'm also sitting here near my most basic and lovely scented candles. Um, Shout out to Candle Light Company, established 1840 in Leesburg, Ohio. Got these at my local drugstore. Um, I have an apple cinnamon crisp candle burning here next to me, as as well as a maple tobacco it's not tobacco it's just the tobacco i'm not sure why but it smells delicious and so i'm burning these on either side of myself probably poisoning myself and so with some sort of you know scented candle fume situation Mm but hey we all got to go sometime we do i've really been in the scented candles um they're I believe they hold their own magical purpose because, you know, it's that olfactory sense that really kind of takes us to a place and evokes memories. So I've really been into a candle company called Boy Smells. They're very expensive. I want to say it's like $39 for one of their candles, but it's, it's worth it. It's worth every penny. My house smells like a, a weed smoking dirty cowboy. That's hot. It's super hot. And I just like, I love it. I'm into it. That's wonderful. I, and I love that that's like a possibility for a candle. I love that. Mm-hmm. I guess after Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina candle that tried to kill everybody, um, <gasps> yeah. was possible. So. Yes, I remember that candle debacle. The candle world <laughs> is, is fascinating. I think. So I have a question for you. You had a shop update recently. How did that go? And what did you share with folks? It went really well. Um, I had a bunch of oils that I brought out. I had some charm bags. Um, What I was most excited about, and I was really glad um, that they all sold out, was I had some Oregon Coast hagstones that I had collected by hand um, and offered up in the shop on little necklaces. And so those sold out really fast, which was wonderful. And I made wonderful, like, charmed mobile things out of, like, trash that I had found and, like, bells and some hemp cord and stuff. So I made kind of, like, little wind chimey things out of, like, old cans and and whatnot and put those up. Um, And those went really fast, too, which was lovely to see. So I'm going to be uh, shipping until I die. Um, And I hear that you have gone through a similar experience this weekend. (laughs) Yes, I had a shop update. I did a perfume collection uh, for the Harvest Moon, which was just three days ago. And it was Harvest Moon themed. So um, I just had a lot of like high desert themed perfumes with the fall stuff mixed in. And yeah, the shop update went great. I have a lot of orders to pack and I'm going to be in a shipping hole for like the next five days. So 
Godspeed to me and Godspeed to you in our shipping endeavors. This is part of running a small business and part of staying alive. And it's, um, it's, there's so many worries that go into shipping. Cause I'm like, what if the USPS loses the package? What if it gets damaged? What if this, this and that? Cause it's like, when you send out a package of your handmade stuff, it's like, you're sending your a baby out into the world and you're like, please make it. No, I know that feeling. And it's always the best too, when you like hand it to the guy across the counter at the post office and he like immediately drops it and then like picks it back up again. And you're just like, Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> right. <laughs> or if they just chuck it into the box, I'm like, please be, be gentle. Please be gentle. Right. Oof. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, show. Oof. Yeah. But we'll, we'll do protection magic on our boxes and hopefully they'll get yes. there. In one piece. In one piece. Yeah. So what is our topic today? What are we going to chat about? So I wanted to talk about altars this week, but then that always begs the question. Like, you know, well, altars is a very broad topic, right? Because, you know, we can make an altar for our ancestors. We can make altars for specific holidays. We can make altars for things like luck or um, creativity, um, things like that. So I wanted to kind of specify it. I think today we're going to talk about building, um, a working altar, a place where we might go to cast our spells or make our charms or, or kind of do any, any of our spiritual work. Uh, so we're just going to call this building a working altar today. Mm -hmm. And I think where we should maybe start off with is, talking about what kinds of altars we've had in our lives, kind of what the evolution of that has been like. Uh, do you remember what your first altar was? I do. It was an altar to Hecate. Oh. Um, and it was a small little like square side table that I picked up at a thrift store or an antique shop. Mm -hmm. And it is unfortunately no longer with me. I don't know where that table went. Um, but yeah, I set it up with like a black cloth. I had a statue of Hecate and then just the little things that I would find that kind of corresponded with her and her aspects and whatnot. So like keys, feathers, um, crossroads, dirt, and mm -hmm. um, snakes and dogs and things like that. So I would just decorate the altar with that. And that's where I really learned to like come to my altar every day to pray to journal, to meditate and connect with that deity. Mm -hmm. um, so that was my first altar. And it felt really scary to make because I was just like, am I doing this right? Am I setting things in the proper place? But I just went with the flow of it and like looked at other people's altars to get inspiration and stuff and whatnot. So that was my first altar. What about you? Mine was because I was like, 12 at the time maybe a little younger mine was the dresser that was in my room on top of the dresser is is what I used um that, that was my very first one and I've had I've had a lot over the years I have had that one and I had what was our old dining room table that my mom wanted to get rid of that I then moved into my room that was way too big for my room um so that one had to go after a while and then I went off to college and I had the one in my dorm room, which made my roommate look at me like I was psycho. Um, and then like, I've made some where like, I've gotten little like side table things and like repainted them right now. The one that I'm working with is, um, 
just a standard kind of dining room table in my workspace that I have painted with chalkboard paint um, so that I can take uh, chalk to it and do symbols and whatnot on it. Um, but yours is, I, I think, kind of similar to mine in like size and shape right now. The one that you're because because you have like a four legged table mm-hmm. situation, don't you? I do. Yeah, that's where I'm sitting right now. And this is where I do a majority of my writing, a majority of my work, my magical work and whatnot. And yeah, it is a Ikea table. Um, I know, super fancy. An Ikea Ikea table that I bought was like the cheapest one that they have. And um, I had it bare wood for a really long time. And I drew with a wax uh, or not a wax. It was like an oil pastel marker. Mm-hmm. Um, I drew a circle in the middle of it because that's where I was casting my bones and I wanted a space to kind of like capture my bone throwing. Yeah. And um, the circle also just became a really important point of focus. So it's like where I would burn candles. It's where I would lay out my tarot cards. It's where I would set things to charge and whatnot. Um, but nowadays I painted it white with milk paint. Milk paint yeah. is this... Um, it's a natural paint, but it's, uh, how do I say this? Like porous, it just sort of sinks into the wood and tints it. So it's like tinted white, but I also have like coffee rings where I have set my coffee mug everywhere. So I need to like buff it up and repaint it. Um, but I really like it. Um, and yeah, that's, that's my current altar, but I have little other altars scattered throughout my house as well. Totally. I love too that you're talking about like having your coffee on the altar table and stuff like that. You and I kind of approach our altar space very similarly where it's like, this is a working space where I need to be working at. And I find a lot of times, you know, you see on social media or like things like that, people being like, oh, well, you know, if you set that cup of coffee down on your altar, then it belongs to the spirits now and you can never touch it again and they'll come and get you. And I'm like, no, I need to put my coffee somewhere if I'm going to be sitting here for a few hours. <laughs> like, Right. Yeah. No. You just yeah. got to work that stuff out with your spirits. <laughs> yep. This is my coffee. I will pour you another coffee, but this is mine. Yeah. 100%. Oh, so let's start from kind of on this similar vein of kind of our past altars. Were there any ones where you were like, ooh, this one was a really good idea versus like, this is one I tried and that was a terrible idea. Do you have any of those like kinds of? Huh. Or maybe it doesn't have to be a terrible idea, but one where you're like, this was not useful like I thought it was going to be. I'm trying to think. I don't know if I have, because see, a lot of my altars are very like practical working style mm-hmm. altars. And I'm I'm not one of those people who like erects an altar for every single thing. I mostly just keep things in one house, like in one place for the most part. Um, but I can't think of like where I would erect an altar in a plate, like a high traffic place where at the time when I had cats, they would like be drinking the water that I would set out mm-hmm. or they'd be eating the food and, you know, I'd yell and scream at them and which never works. And so those were kind of like just situationally like bad ideas. Um, and I'd always try to maintain them, but it would just kind of like fail mm-hmm. or just like continually get messed up. So I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to scrap this and like put it in a locked room. That's when I had cats. I don't have cats anymore. Now I have a dog. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and she's really good. She does not um, pilfer or steal. You know what? I take that back. She, did... <laughs> <laughs> she stole my squirrel paw when I uh, had a, I had thrown some bones for a friend and we left it there for a while. Cause we were like mulling over the reading and kind of coming back to it and taking breaks and whatnot. And when I had my back turned, she plucked my squirrel paw. I know. I was like, you little shit. I still love you, but why did you have to steal that? Now I got to go find another squirrel. Because um, of them tasty paws. Yeah. So a really, I think like the best idea that I've personally had around altars is just creating a working altar. The, mm-hmm. all, the all-purpose space where it's like, I got my ancestors. I got like my main primary deity that I work with. Um, I've got like my oils that I'm working with currently and like a candle I'm working with currently. And then like, it's also my creative space. It's where I do a majority of my creative work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like my altar situation. I love that. And I'm very similar where it's like, I have everything in one space. I tried to put like the ancestors over on like a different altar and have like my kind of witchy spirits over here on this one. But I, no, I felt then torn between two places. Now I just come and sit at the table with all of them and we have a chat. Like they have their little sections of the table, but you just gotta, you just gotta do it the way you gotta do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really like creating dichotomies. I don't like to have like a separate box for everything because when I am like praying and doing my work, it's like, I'm calling on my ancestors. I'm calling on my spiritual court as a whole, not mm-hmm. just you know, bits and pieces here and there. It's everybody. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, that's, that's how I like to work. For sure. So for someone who's going to be making their own altar, let's kind of just start from the very beginning of this process. So um, placement of the altar. You Do you have any personal rules or taboos about where the altar goes? in the house? Um, I like to keep, it depends on my living situation. Like when I lived alone in Portland, I had this pretty cute apartment. Um, and I put my main working altar in my kitchen Mm. and Mm -hmm. that was like, you know, where I had everything. So that was in my kitchen and that presented some challenges. So it's like, if I invited, a friend over or I was like on a date, you know, they would inevitably like set their keys or a beer or something on my altar. And I'd always just be like, what are you doing? Can you not tell (laughs) that this is like, (laughs) this is like a special space nowadays because I have this space, you know, I live in a rural place and I like rents pretty cheap. Um, I have a a full dedicated room in my house. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is just like, it's my work room and it's like my altar room. Um, so I kind of keep it tucked away, but I do have altars outside of this room. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think we've discussed this before, like no ancestor altars in the bedroom. Um, yeah, that one doesn't I, tend to go very well for anybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because I don't need my mamaw to see me getting dressed and undressed every day or knocking boots with my sweetie. Knocking um, them boots. Yeah, don't need her to see that. And the other thing, too, about that is just, like, I feel like it, it, it 
removes a boundary of when they can get a hold of you. Cause like, I don't want to be dead asleep in the middle of the night and have my mom all being like, where's my coffee? Right. <laughs> I need coffee right now, child. No, for sure. And that's something that a lot of people run into as well. When they put like ancestor altars in the bedroom, it's not necessarily just kind of like the, weird taboo of, of being naked or, or having sex in front of it. But a lot of people who put their altars in there will start having trouble sleeping because mm-hmm. the ancestors, especially if you have chatty ancestors and those of us, especially those of us who come from big families know that you, the ancestors can be a little loud. Definitely. Yeah. What about you? Do you have any taboos around rooms or placements? I'm always a big proponent of you, of, of doing whatever you need to do with your space Um, so I don't necessarily have any hard and fast rules on it. Um, I do like to keep mine in a separate area. Um, I've been blessed in the last few years to be able to keep a separate room for my work, um, which has been a huge help, um, in me being able to maintain everything. And, and I refuse to go back. Um, so I, I like having its own personal room, but also if you're a person who lives in something like a studio apartment or whatever, there are ways kind of around that. Um, cause I get that question a lot, especially in like ancestor workshops and things like that. They're like, I don't have another room to put them in. Like, what do I do? Um, you can get those like room dividing screens, like that you kind of like change behind or whatever, really beautiful for super cheap in a lot of places. You can pick some up at like secondhand stores too, that are like, more fancy, or I'm sure you can just get like an Ikea folding, whatever, to kind of Mm -hmm. give it its own space. Or what you can also do sometimes is if you can get like a really thin light sheet or something like that, that you kind of like throw over it when you're done and want to kind of like create a bit of a barrier there, you can do that as well. So it is preferable to have your altar, especially your working altar with spirits attached to it in kind of its own place. But there are ways around that. Um, Mm -hmm. And not everyone's going to be doing a lot of super heavy work. You may just have like a little statue of Guadalupe on a shelf that you light a little tea light to and just kind of say hi every so often. That's not something that I'm worried about so much as, as much as like, you know, a standard place for spirits to live in your home. Um, That's, that's a different situation there. Um, Mm -hmm. But another question I get a lot, and I'm curious if if this is something that that you take into consideration, um, is what direction your altar is facing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I tend to go east-west. I really like my altar to be facing east with the rising sun because I'm a morning person. And I really like to, I I spend a lot of time at my altar very early in the morning. And um, yeah, I like to have the rising sun to greet me and my ancestors and my spirits first thing in the morning. Now I have two altars, like the one I'm sitting at right now is currently facing south. Mm -hmm. And um, I get like a good arc of the sun uh, through the day because it's facing a window but my other altar in my living room, which is also a working altar, that one faces east. So I get to have the rising sun with me. Oh. So I tend to go, I tend to position my altars with the sun mm-hmm. um, in the direction of the sun uh, because I really want, I re- natural light is really important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I generally place my altars. I don't know if there are any taboos around um, placement and directions. 
I've heard a lot of different things where like some people are like, oh, it should never face south or like it should always be facing east. Or my question, though, is always like, okay, but what does that mean to have your altar facing a direction? So like if I'm standing at my altar, is it the direction that I'm pointing or is it behind me? Because my altar is looking back at me Mm -hmm. while I'm sitting here. So would I want to arrange it so that like say say the the goal was to have your altar pointing west would i then do it so that while i'm standing in front of my altar i'm facing west or so that west is behind me so that my altar statues are all looking west westerly yeah that's what i'm curious about because like my living room altar when i'm sitting at it i'm facing east but all my statues and whatnot are looking west mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like What's going on here? What's the correct direction? Right. Because like the the western part of my home is very dark and cold. And like Mm. a dark, cold place is not where I want my altar to be. I want it to be in the lightest, warmest place in my house. Mm. Yeah, I like that. That's kind of like my vibe. Um, Kind of the next section that we're going to go into is kind of like things to look for when choosing kind of what surface or piece of furniture to use as an altar because i know that's something that i get asked a lot like oh like where does my altar need to go um and the truth is is that the sky and your imagination is the limit Mm -hmm. so you know it can be as small as a little section on a bookshelf that maybe not the even the entire bookshelf but maybe like a the last two feet of the bookshelf you have like a little statue or like some little crystals and a little candle or whatever um, to like full blown big, I have like this whole shrine <laughs> situation happening in here. Um, so the sky is really the limit as as what we choose, but there might be there might be some things we want to consider. Um, and one of the things I like to have people think about first is taking into account what they plan to do there at that altar. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you plan to just light a little tea light every so often? Or do you plan on having 17 Novena candles going at once? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like knowing, um, you know, looking at like the materials of what your table is made of and are you willing or will it, are you willing or not willing to get it dirty? You know? So like my main working altar is literally a slab of wood. So I've still got candle wax on my table. Like I said, I got coffee stains. I got oil stains it's a working altar. It's going to get dirty. There is ash. Um, there's, you know, old incense, etc. And, um, yeah. So it's like, if you have like an antique, beautiful table, maybe that's where you like, will do the tea light every right. so often <laughs> and whatnot. Yeah, the beautiful heirloom mahogany table. Yeah. For sure. Things are going to light on fire on top of it. You're going to drip candle wax on every inch of it. Um, yep. For sure. And I think that that's important too. I'm very fussy about the floor in the area where I have my altar. Right now I'm on carpet and I absolutely just abhor it um, because I like I like the hardwood because then you can sweep it. You know, if you if you drip something, whatever. And I'm constantly worried about it being a fire hazard. If I have a candle that falls off onto carpet, Mm -hmm. that sounds so much scarier to me than if it's just like hardwood that like, you know, you'd have to really get in there and and try and do something with it. But 
the the carpet concerns me and anyone who has had candle wax in a carpet knows the struggle yes i do i have carpet in my house too and i hate it um i just daydream of a hardwood floor house all the time that's my next goal is to get into a house with hardwood floors yes or something like that and um yeah carpet is just is really gross to me because yeah, you got a vacuum and vacuuming sucks. You know, it's just like you're bumping into things and you might vacuum up a penny or whatever. And it just, <laughs> it's really annoying. Or a squirrel paw or, or a squirrel. Yeah. Or Python rib bone or. Yeah. Who knows? Ooh, which, speaking of the vacuuming though, I tell people this a lot. And let me tell you the thing that has changed my alter game the most is buying a hand vac. Mm-hmm. The hand vac has really changed things for me as far as being able to keep my altar clean without having to completely deconstruct it every two seconds. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or- altar deconstruction is work. Um, like I'm just looking at my altar right now and thinking about how I would have to remove all this stuff mm-hmm. and put it somewhere. Cause like I'm surrounded by piles of books on every flat surface. So yeah, deconstructing your altar and whatnot is um, it's definitely a thing you kind of have to plan for. So I love the idea of a hand vacuum or even like a, um, I have a small hand like um, broom mm-hmm. that I bought at the store. It's just like a really small hand broom made out of uh, broom fiber. Um, it's really cute. And um, I like to use that to sweep up, too. That's a great idea. And I like that too, because that's like a touch witchier, like the act of sweeping yeah. is so mm-hmm. powerful. And that's something that I think a lot of people are forgetting in this day and age is, is the power of the broom is yes. unparalleled in a lot of it this work. It truly is. And then that's where you, um, the benefit of a hardwood or like tile flooring is um, I love the energy of sweeping And so being able to sweep around your altar, if you have hardwood or tiles, like that's great. And carpet, I just, I really want to move now. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of change happening in the air. I have actually been looking at my altar recently and I'm like, it's time for a change. And I go through this every few years where suddenly the spirits I've been working with go, well, this has been fun. And I'm like, what? And they're like, um, here's your new people that you're working with. And I'm like, what? And they're like, here you go. So I, I have a feeling that this next new moon, I will be making some rather drastic changes oh, to cool. my altar situation. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm very curious. Yeah, well, that's inspiring because I think my altar does need a little freshening up, just switching things up and whatnot, and rearranging, changing the energy, because like this time of year around fall, the energy is just like really shifting, things are coming to a close, and the new doors are opening, yeah, that new moon, new season Mm -hmm. energy, I like that. It's coming straight for us, spreading. Um, One of the other things that I always like to take into consideration when choosing like the surface or the piece of furniture that I'm going to be using as an altar is fire safety, Mm -hmm. of course, like, you're going to be burning candles on it at some point or another. Um, and a lot of witchcraft that I see on social media uh, has <laughs> just sort of become glorified pyromania in a lot of ways. So make sure that whatever surface you are on is is safe for that. And um, 
and that you're not going crazy with it. I used to um, do my my old altar before this one was an armoire so that I could kind of like close it up and everything and have it just be nothing and then open it back up and then have it look all, all cool. So it was kind of like a little secret thing. Um, but burning candles inside of an armoire was probably not my best idea. Oh yeah. Not a good idea. (laughs) I never had a problem with it, but like looking back on it and there's some like, there's some like char marks inside of it. It's, it's over here in the corner. I'm looking at it. I'm like, there's some, there's some char marks in here. Um, Mm -hmm. so that probably wasn't the best idea, but always, always take fire safety into consideration, especially if you have like a little wicker table, (laughs) made out of straw or whatever like definitely yeah and then like consider the drapes like if you're near a window like do you have curtains um are you like burning candles on a shelf like what's above the shelf like those are things to consider when building your altar because yeah you do not want to burn your house down and you want to practice fire safety and you know just to say like never leave candles unattended always check on them if you're burning them like i don't Personally, I don't leave my house with a burning candle, like a candle going. I always put them out um, every single time. Or if it's really important that the candle finish burning and I need to go somewhere, I move it to like the bathtub or Mm -hmm. I move it to my stovetop where I know it's like a fire safe place or this or my sink. Um, It doesn't always necessarily have to be on the altar. Absolutely. I agree with that. And that's something that I do a lot too. I actually have this big stock pot. It's it's a canning pot. So it's like enormous and metal. Mm. And so I'll put them in there um, when I'm ready to go. But fire safety is always super, super important. And I like what you're saying too about curtains, because that's something that concerns me about kind of like the whole witch aesthetic slash cottage core thing is like, these beautiful open windows with these billowing lacy curtains right next to the lit candles. And I'm like, that, that's a danger. (laughs) It's pretty, but we'll die. Yes. And the other thing too, about that witch aesthetic is like, I'll see like a candle burning and then there's like all this herb around it, like plants and like lace and just stuff around it. And I'm just like, you're going to burn your altar down. Like, how are you burning yeah. candles right there? Yeah. Um, Things yeah, like practical. that happen very quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we we kind of talked about this next one earlier, too, is won't be disturbed by pets or children. <laughs> yeah. Really got to consider the little ones and the fur babies. Yeah, because a lot of the stuff that we work with is often toxic to them or depending on what we're doing. Like um, I was doing my candle magic class where we were talking about working a banishing candle over like the course of several days. And we're like, well, what happens if my kid comes in and like, you know, picks up the candle and like walks around with it because they like to do that. And I'm like, definitely don't allow that to happen because children they get a new object and the first first place it goes is in their mouth for like no reason. <laughs> and if you've yeah. been working like a hex over a certain amount of days or a banishing candle or something, that's not the energy that they need to be having. And and we'll talk about in a little bit later about kind of having altars that you can put away, um, which if this is your situation where you have children or pets and you, you don't have a spare area to keep all of the stuff closed off, um, there is some, there is some possible ways to go about that. Um, I did once have a friend who built hers in a literal bloom, a broom closet. 
So we talk about coming out of the broom closet as like witches when we tell people that we're witches. She was quite literally going into the broom closet on purpose. Um, She had just taken everything out of it, built a little altar in it, and then would just go in there and lock herself in it. (laughs) And that's actually kind of brilliant because it creates a wonderful container for the energy. Like Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily even need to cast a circle because you're in your own, your own box. It's sort of like in a seance when they have the cabinet for the medium. Um, It's very similar to that where it kind of contains all that energy. So that's interesting. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. With, um, with pet, I don't have children, but I do have a dog child. And I trained her from a young pup. I would do this exercise with her where I would put a piece of food in front of her and, and make her wait. That was the cue. I'd be like, wait. And she would stare and drool. And then I would be like, okay. And then she would go and get the treat. And so we did that with plates of food as well. I would set a plate of food down on the ground and I would say, wait. And then I would pull it away from her. And so now I can set a plate of food on the ground or on my altar And she knows that it's not to be touched unless I give her the okay. So like training your pets, if they're trainable, because I know cats are literally not very trainable. Um, But with with dogs, they can be fairly trainable in that respect. So she has only once stole something from my altar and that was a squirrel paw. I forgive her. Um, And it's fine. Um, She had a moment of weakness. She really did. And I bless her heart. She's a good girl. Um, So yeah, that's kind of like what I did with my pet um, to train them not to go pilfering through stuff. And she's a large dog. She weighs about 75 pounds. And um, my main working altars in my living, one of my main working altars is in my living room. So like when the mail person comes to the house or the UPS driver arrives, like she's just like, and like moving things and knocking stuff over. So I, I'm always very careful not to burn candles like during certain times of the day, etc., just mm-hmm. to make sure it's nice and safe. Totally. Absolutely. Mm. She's such a sweet girl. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things that I very much require in my altar spaces is that they be stable. Yes. They be stable. A lot of times we want something like, you know, like a folding table or something or like a card table, but a lot of times those aren't going to be really steady. They'll kind of like lean to one side or the other, have one leg that's longer than the other. And we, we want to remember too, that the table itself, the surface itself is a part of the work. Um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more here in a moment, but if if our table isn't supporting the work, literally in a physical sense, um, it's going to have a hard time supporting the work in, in a magical sense as well. We, we need that sturdy, that structure. Um, when it comes to altar tables, I always think of four of wands energy where you have like mm-hmm. that, those four pillars that are holding it up, stable, steady. It's kind of like the home. Um, so I always recommend... Um, and I talk about this too, as well, when people are going to be doing like uh, mediumship or like um, table readings or seance work or things like that, that the, the table is an active part in the spiritual work. Um, mm-hmm. So I always recommend that people have a very stable surface to work on. And I mean, honestly, again, candle safety, um, having a stable surface is important for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, 
there's nothing wrong with like going to a thrift store and like, that's always such a great place to find magical stuff, especially like tables and and bedside tables and whatnot. But yeah, definitely checking to make sure they're stable. I bought a dresser recently from the thrift store and it is a rickety, I don't want to say it's a piece of shit, but it's a rickety dresser. And it just wobbles and moves everywhere. So I just like, I'm really careful with it and I don't put really delicate things on it. So when I open and close it and I'm like pulling clothes out and whatnot, it moves around a lot. So I'm really careful with that. But yeah, you make such a good point around just like that stable surface because it is literally supporting the work and making sure it's nice and sturdy. Um, That's why I went with like um, an Ikea table because they're pretty high quality. And once you get them built, you know, they, this table has lasted me for well over a decade now. Um, mm-hmm. And I've moved with it several times and it's still really solid. So I really like this table and I'm glad for it. So a little Ikea never hurts. Yes. And it's so nice to have that once you get one that really works for you and then you can kind of carry it with you to like your new places where you live and stuff like that, it sort of becomes like an old friend. Um, and of course, from like an animistic perspective, all of these things are very much alive. So yes. kind of having that relationship with a surface where you work your, your, your work, your spells, your, all of it, um, is, is just so nice to have that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, the last two here are, that we have kind of on this list are, are very practical things talking about kind of available space and storage. So when you're choosing what to use as your altar, you have to think about, okay, do I have space to put this in here? Because like a full dining room table may look really cool, but if you're in a studio apartment, you may have to sleep under it or on it um, if you're mm-hmm. if you're getting something too big. Um, and certain pieces of furniture have better storage for them. So say you don't have a lot of space to put all of your stuff, you may want to purchase instead of a table, you may want to get like a dresser that you use the top of it for your altar and then all the drawers you can use to store all of your stuff. So that is all in one place. Um, I like the table because it's, it's wide enough so that I can have all the work that I need to be doing going. Um, but I can store stuff underneath it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well. That's what so I do. It's full of incense and candles and things like that. So thinking about storage, what kind of space you have um, is all real important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to get bins and crates. Um, like my one of the local stores that I live by had these lovely little wooden crates with handles on them. And so I picked up a bunch of those and you turn them upside down and then they, they actually become they double as like storage and an altar. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I like the table with bins for storage. That's kind of have been my thing lately because like I've got a lot of knickknacks and um, I keep a lot of it tucked away. Uh, Cause I don't like clutter too much. I like to keep things stored away. Um, but then I, I kind of like with storage, I kind of forget that I have certain things. So I have to like frequently go through my storage to remind <laughs> myself, like that's where my hag stones are. <laughs> things like that. <laughs> same, same. I'll be like looking for something. I'll be like, gosh, I know I had one of these and I'm just finding like, just like, oh, that's where all my horseshoes went and where all of my seashells went and where like, I'm mm-hmm. so much stuff all over the place. For sure. Absolutely. Um, that, that is that is a 
that is a um, a risk you take in this work is just having way too much crap. Someone once described witchcraft to me as just fancy hoarding, and I'm I oh don't think God. that's correct. <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> Absolutely. So when you get your new surface, when you've chosen whatever it is, do you have a, a way of, of preparing it? Do you have like a thing you go through to get it all ready? Or do you just go? What is what is your? So it depends on the surface. But since I'm kind of like a folk witch and, you know, I work um, in a pretty practical way and I know that my working table is going to be a place where things get messy what I like mm-hmm. to do is I like to um, just put some water down and some salt and a scrubby pad and I buff the table with the salt and then I uh, clear yeah. that away. Yeah, I clear that away. That's actually how they clean, how you're supposed to clean like a cutting board or a um, like a chopping block or something like that mm-hmm. is with salt. And then I, um, I follow that up after I've cleaned all that off. I follow it up with Florida water. And I just spray Florida water all over, wipe it down. And it's just super fresh. It just feels revived. Um, it feels well set. So that's how I um, prepare and set my altars. But if if they're not a surface where like scrubbing, you know, like coarse salt into it mm-hmm. is appropriate, I just use Florida water or mm-hmm. rose water and just, you know, sprinkle it around and rub it in and then go from there. Totally. I think that's a wonderful idea. I like to always kind of like mix up like a little bowl with like water and a little salt in it and a little Florida water in it and kind of get it all mixed up and then kind of like wash it down with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like you're talking about, depending on kind of what what your table or, or what your surface that you're using is made out of, there's going to be more appropriate ways. Um, if you're using just like some really nice, just like exposed wood or, or whatever, never sleep on old English the the wood polish oil whatever it is that shit will you'll have an entire new table when you're done <laughs> like that's you i will. use for my um because i don't use it because of course i have the chalkboard paint on my altar but i have um a special table i use for table tipping um and that i keep with the old english and i treat it very similarly to the altar table where um i always start like you're talking about cleansing it energetically and you can do this, you know, by, by actually cleaning it. Um, I always recommend doing an actual cleaning scrubbing of it so that it's, it's physically cleaned and doing a cleansing of it. So that it's energetically cleaned, um, kind of hitting both directions, but you can do those at once. Um, but if you're doing something like a smoke cleansing on it or any kind of cleansing, really, I want people to remember to get under the table as well. If they're using a yes. table, get under the table, especially if you're doing like a smoke cleansing, get under your altar table because things will hide under there. Um, Mm -hmm. It's believed in a lot of cultures too, that like if you're not cleansing under your working table, then spirits will hang out under there and either mess with your work or kind of make a home there. So I always recommend getting under the table. Same reason why I tell people to, when they're doing smoke cleansing in their home to get under their beds um, because weird things like to make homes under furniture. Um, Mm -hmm. So highly recommend doing that cleans that cleansing and that cleaning on it. And then I like to anoint the table with like special yeah. oils. Um, so if you have like, um, you can use like a van van, you can use like a protection oil, you can use like a holy oil or like a blessing oil. 
um, something like that upon it, um, which just really sets the tone for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading a book on um, the book was actually about table tipping, but the author was talking about um, cleansing the table and then filling it with good energy. And her method for doing that was using a pendulum where mm-hmm. she would hold the pendulum over the table and focus on releasing the bad energy from the table. And you would know it was working because the pendulum would start swinging counterclockwise and you would just hold that intention until it stopped until it came to a rest. And then you would know mm-hmm. that it, it had removed everything. And then you focus the opposite on bringing positive energy into a beautiful energy and then wait for the pendulum to start swinging clockwise. And then oh, that's really cool. it would come to a stop when it was done. Um, which is an interesting way to go about it because a lot of times people don't realize that pendulums aren't just receptive tools. They're also projective tools. We can use them, I I guess, in a productive manner. You can use them Mm -hmm. in a productive manner. Like that. Yeah. I kind of didn't really touch on uh, the anointing part. I do follow up with like, I'm a huge fan of blessing oil. That's one of my favorite go-to oils because a lot of blessing oils just smell really good. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Buffing the table with some blessing oil is like super great. And I will straight up do the Roman ritual for oil blessing on my old English and then use it. (laughs) I am not above that at all. Mm -hmm. I have done it. I will continue to do it. And no one can stop me. Um, Yeah. And doesn't old English have like a lemony fragrance? Isn't it kind of lemony? Which I Mm -hmm. love. That's such good energy for it too. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've, picked where we've picked what we've uh we prepared it now it's time to decorate it or uh, how do you usually go about the the decorating for it i just throw it all on the table yeah <laughs> um i usually do have kind of somewhat of a manner of like um of organizing things so i put like my main deity at the center of the table towards the back and then mm-hmm. to the sides, I have like, for me, like on the left hand side, I have my ancestors and on my right hand side, I have my spirits um, mm-hmm. that I work with um, and whatnot that are not my ancestors. And, you know, I've got some stones and a handful of crystals and some plants and some skulls. And I just sort of um, I just feel into it and I place them where they feel they want to go. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's kind of how I do my organization. I don't know that I really decorate because a lot of this is like working stuff. Like this is stuff that I work with. Um, and I mean, much of it is very beautiful. Um, but I don't necessarily decorate. And if I do decorate, I, I buy flowers. Um, Mm -hmm. I really enjoy buying like, um, local flowers that have been cut, um, from like a local farm. Uh, my co-op uh, recently had beautiful bouquets from somebody's uh, local garden. So I was putting that on my altar. Just really provides a lovely energy and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I don't like to go overboard with the decorating because it's it just becomes junk, kind of becomes stuff. And I really Excellent. want every part of my altar to be like, working specifics not just like fluff absolutely yeah no i i agree with that fully um and that i I, that i think is something that i 
I'm going to be working towards maybe this new moon. Cause like, I love having like all my saint statues and all this stuff and everything like that. And it's great. But every so often I just really just want to just sweep it all off and just have the table and like a candle for spirit and go like super minimalist. Mm -hmm. Um, which is probably where I'm going next, but we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Um, but yeah, one of the only things like, cause pe- people get very caught up in the decorating about it needs to be this way or that way, or this stuff needs to go on the left side of the altar. And that stuff needs to go on the right side of the altar. And, and if, if your tradition has certain rules around that, absolutely follow it. Um, mm. But I don't want anyone to really get caught up in, in having it decorated perfectly or decorating it incorrectly. Um, at that point, it's, it's mostly a manner of, what you want the altar to feel like. And so earlier you were talking about, you know, doing, doing your Hecate altar and putting things like the keys and the crossroads certain things like that, because those all make sense with her and those all carry kind of her energy or her essence. So by bringing those items there, you're kind of concentrating some, some Hecate feels there mm-hmm. um, for her to sort of connect to and kind of anchor her there. So it doesn't have to be super specific. You can just get things that remind you of the spirit that you're trying to work with, or you can just have an absolutely bare table that works as well. Um, So either way, go about it. Um, Altar cloths. Do you use an altar cloth? You know, I'm not a huge fan of them because I have a dog and hair literally gets everywhere. So I find myself constantly dusting them off or shaking them off. Like right now I have a shrine to St. Expedite by my front door on one of my working altars. And um, yeah, like I have a red cloth for his altar and yeah, it like gets dog hair on it. So like every other day I'm like pulling everything off and shaking it out and resetting it. So I'm not a huge fan of altar cloths because you know, there's candle wax, there's ash. And a lot of the altar cloths that I have, I inherited a bunch of scarves and cloths from my grandmother and they have a a high sentimental value to me. So I'm really careful with them and I don't just like to use them willy nilly. But if I do want to have an altar cloth, I just go to the nearby fabric store and pick up a cheap piece of like green fabric for say a money altar and I'll lay that down. Um, but I, yeah, I'm just not a huge fan, um, because they do, they just kind of get in the way. I'm really practical. Yeah, I agree. I'm the same way. And I like being able just to take like a bowl of like water and salt and Florida water and just scrub the table. And you can't do that if you have an altar cloth, um, Altar cloths do come in handy, though, especially if you're trying to protect the table that you're using because they take the brunt of, like, the wax and the ash and everything like that. And then once they reach a certain point, you can just kind of throw them out and get a new one or you can you can try and launder them. Um, but when it comes to candle wax, it's kind of it's yeah, it's kind of a crapshoot. But yeah, that they can be helpful. They can be useful. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. I don't I don't really use them. Mm-hmm. Um So here in our last few moments, though, I want to talk about um, ideas for like either breakdown or storable altars um, or altars that kind of hide in plain sight. Um, Mm -hmm. And I like to use the chest method. I've I've had a couple of friends do this and, and I've used this before in my life where you get like a a box and you can get these at like Michael's or some craft stores. 
you can find them online where you get like a box that has like a lid that lifts up and closes. Um, and as long as it has a flat surface on the top, you can turn that into a little portable altar. So, and then store all of your stuff inside of the box um, when you're done. And then that way you can just kind of pack it up and either slide it under your bed or put it in like a shelf in your closet or something like that if you don't want anybody to see it um, or if you need to be secret for some reason, yeah, just having a little box like that can be really helpful. You, they, they come in wood and you can paint them and decorate them in kind of whatever way you want to do that. Um, I've had several friends who have used that. That's been great. If you have a bunch of stuff, um, you can use like a hope chest too, um, where you can put all the stuff in. And then when you're ready, you can open it up, take all your stuff out, make the altar on top, do your work, and then pack it back away. And then it just looks like a regular chest in your home it just looks like a piece of furniture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love that that's such a great idea that just gave me a bunch of little sneaky ideas that i want to do or you know like if you're going out into the woods or maybe you're going to the ocean or a lake or something like that to do a ritual and you want to create an altar that could be a great way to bring a portable altar with you that you can pull everything out set it up and then tuck it away I love that. I think I'm going to go get myself a box and make myself a portable altar. Totally. It's really helpful. And I, and especially too, like if you have kids or if you have dogs or cats that get into things, having something where you can just put it all away, you have, you have a, a set space for it. You could do this with like a dresser too. Like I was talking about earlier where you have all the drawers, you could um, put your stuff in there. Um, there's also kind of, I'm sure there's a name for it, but it's like that dress. It's it's like a dresser, but it's not for your clothes. It's for all of your like dining room stuff that they often oh, like have. A, like a cutch. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of where it's got like all of your, like um, your napkins in it and like your silverware and stuff like that. You see them in a mm-hmm. lot of, kind of like old houses where they have them in there. And then like the top of it is kind of like ornate. Cause you're supposed to hang like teacups in it and stuff like that. So um so things like that can be useful as well, um, where you just put everything kind of into the drawers when you're done. And then mm-hmm. it just looks like normal furniture. If, you know, the in-laws are coming over or like your super Mormon grandparents are showing up. <laughs> um, that's, that's a great way to go about it. Yeah. And I know there are definitely some listeners out there who need to hide their work um, or they're mm-hmm. not quite out of the broom closet or they got roommates or yeah, par- mother-in-law that comes over, et cetera. That can be an awesome way to hide your work um, or tuck it away, especially if you're working a spell where you don't, you know, you need to keep it hidden. That's another great way to kind of tuck your work away. I really like that. Just kind of like hiding in plain sight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which, you know, even those of us who are out as witches, sometimes we still need to hide our stuff away, depending on who's coming over. And there's no shame in it. You do what you got to do to survive for sure. Yeah, I actually have a home inspection uh, here pretty soon for um, my rental. My my landlords are doing a home inspection. And uh, I've been thinking about a lot of my altars and a lot of the stuff that I have around and that I need to perhaps make it look a little less creepy. So (laughs) perhaps I'll be tucking some things away here soon. Exactly. Just just for a minute. Just for a minute. We'll bring them back out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Alrighty, y'all, that wraps up this episode on altars. We hope that you get out there and start building yourself an altar. And maybe we've given you some new ideas. Send us your pictures of your new altars. And remember, do witchcraft. Do it. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.